If you have your Bibles, please turn them to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And just a disclaimer, I feel like you almost have to give a disclaimer for some of these sermons every once in a while. I am going to use a lot of Bible tonight. Which I feel like for most churches in the United States, if you were to say that, oh, Bible, are you kidding me? No, I'm out. No, I want to hear the opinions of some man. So tonight I'm going to be using a lot of Bible, and for good reason. There's nothing that I can say that would really help you out a whole lot. And I guarantee you what I have to say, the little bit of knowledge, the little bit of wisdom that I have won't be nearly as good as what the Lord has to say in his word. And really that's probably where a lot of churches are wrong. Uh, That's why a lot of churches are spiritually dead here in the world and here in 2021 is because they don't use the Bible as much as they should. So tonight, I'm going to be using the Bible a whole lot. If you're that kid that struggles with the Bible drills when you're a kid, tonight may be a struggle. But I'll try to speak clearly, so hopefully everyone understands and we'll get something from this message here tonight. So Matthew chapter 17, and starting in verses 1, and they're going to go all the way down to verse Nine, it says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as a light. And behold, a, and, and behold, his face shone, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which saith, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, another opportunity to open up your word and to learn more about you. As always, Lord, give me the words to say, have it not be the words from my own mind, from my own mouth, but Lord, I pray that it would just come from you here tonight. Give these people what they need. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we can see that he took a special interest in three particular disciples. Uh, Many times we refer to this as the inner circle, the inner circle of disciples. This was comprised of three men, Peter, James, and John. It was these three men who had special experiences. They were able to see Jesus do many great things that none of the other disciples were able to see, and this event was one of them. It's commonly referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. And hopefully we're going to learn some lessons about what this was all about here tonight. 
Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 3, like I'd said before, it said, After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as a light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with them. So as they go up to the mountain, they see Jesus, but they see Jesus like they've never seen him before. He was different. There was something different about this Jesus that they saw on the mountain. It said that his face shone like a bright light. This wasn't the Jesus that they were used to. They saw Jesus as an average man. He probably looked like you and he looked exactly like me. The Bible talks about how there was nothing about Jesus that made him look uh, special or different. There's nothing about him that would make you think that, wow, there's something special about this man. This man must be Jesus because the way that he looks. No, he was an average man just like you and like me. But at this day, he wasn't. And there's something different about that Jesus on the mountain, on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was different. His face shone like the sun. It was bright. There was something different about this Jesus. Not only was Jesus different, but there was two men in particular that these Peter, James, and John, these disciples saw with him. And the one man was Elias, which is also known as Elijah, and the other man was Moses. Now, I believe that these men in particular were with Jesus at that mountain for a very specific reason. It wasn't just two random men that Jesus wanted to show these guys. No, they were there for a very specific reason. You see, Moses, he's the man that obviously led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity. And what was special about Moses is that many times in the Bibles, he kind of represents the law. Moses represented the law, like the Ten Commandments. And the people of Israel had a total of 613 Commandments, and that was what Moses represented. He represented the law. He represented something that nobody could really keep. The reason why Jesus gave us these commandments was to show us our sin. He didn't give us these commandments expecting us to keep them all because he knew that we couldn't. There's no way that anyone could keep even the Ten Commandments, let alone the 613 other commandments. There was no way that anyone would be able to keep those, but that's what Moses represented. He represented the law that was with Jesus Christ on that day. The other man, Elias or Elijah, this man represented the prophets. And all the prophecies that came before, all, all these men that prophesied that there would be a savior, somebody that would come that would keep the law, all the law, a perfect man that would come, keep all 613 commandments, would keep all those commandments, a perfect man that would come and eventually die for the sin of mankind. And then there was Jesus in the middle. Jesus, the perfect man, the one that would, one, fulfill the law, would keep the law, represented in Moses, and there would be Elias, the Elijah, Elias or Elijah, the man that prophesied all these things, how a man would come, and that man was Jesus. The man who kept the law, and the man who was to come to fulfill all those prophecies. And Jesus was in the middle. He was that man that was to fulfill 
the law, and the prophecies. And those, I believe, is the particular reason why those two men were there. They weren't just random men that were there, but they were there ultimately because Jesus was going to be the ultimate final sacrifice. Mentioned in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It was an offering, it was a sacrifice that was given once for all mankind, for all eternity. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected for every one of them that, had, that are sanctified. See, Jesus Christ was there. He was fulfilling that law as he was on this earth. He was fulfilling that law and he was going to be the perfect and the final sacrifice for all of us. It must have been quite the experience for these disciples to see that. And I'm not sure if they really realized uh, what everything meant in particular. And as we go ahead further on here tonight, we'll see that Peter kind of had a skewed reason of why he believed that those men were there. But as they were there, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured. The word transfigured, it's similar to the word that we use here today as metamorphosis. Um, when I was a kid, and many times we think of metamorphosis is as something just being completely transformed, like a caterpillar into a butterfly. I remember when I was a kid, uh, they used to have these book fairs, and they'd give you a book, and there was all these crazy, ridiculously overpriced items in there. And you look through the, the book fair book, and, you know, they'd always have these cool little knick-knack toys. That was the section that I went to. I didn't even bother looking at the books. The books, nah. I'll look at like the little knick-knacks, the little toys they got back there. And one year, my parents let me get something from that book. And it was one of the coolest things. I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. They probably can't even do it nowadays. I'm sure Peter's been on them. I don't know. But what had happened is that they would send you this little pop-up net, pretty much is what it was. And they would ship you these little... Um, caterpillars in the mail, little larva or whatever it was, and they would ship those to you, and you would be able to learn the process of metamorphosis, the process of becoming or being a caterpillar and ultimately turning into a butterfly. That's what Jesus was. He completely transformed. He wasn't the normal human being that these men knew before. They were able to see Jesus in part of his glorified body, something new, something different. There was a complete change in Jesus Christ. It was something different, something that these men had never seen before. And whenever men saw Jesus partially in his glorified body, there was a change in their life. Looking in the life of Moses, he had a change when he was up in the mountain with Jesus. Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 through 23 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by thy name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. So Moses said, Jesus, show me 
your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. This was a radical thing that Moses was able to witness. And there was a physical change in his life. Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35, it says, And it came to pass, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, after he had witnessed this, with the two tablets of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while talking with him. It was different. There was a physical change in Moses' life when he saw Jesus Christ in his glory. And when Aaron and all his children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. So that light on his face must have been so bright that and the average man, because of his sin, couldn't even look on Moses' face because he only saw a glimpse of God's glory. It said he didn't even see his face. He only saw a glimpse of who Jesus Christ was. But it was such a radical change in Moses' life that the average man had to put a veil. He had to have a veil over his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. See, Moses had witnessed Jesus. Moses had a radical change in his life when he met and saw Jesus. And that should be the same with us here tonight. If we get radical about knowing who Jesus is, if we want to have a close relationship with him, people are going to see a difference in our life. People should see a difference in our life. When Moses went up and he spoke with Jesus, when he saw God there on that mountain, there was something different about him and the people knew it. When people see us if we're doing what we should be doing as a Christian, going to church, praying, reading our Bible, having a close relationship with Jesus Christ, it should show. And it will show. But the question is, do people see it? If people don't see it, there's a problem. Because whenever people in the Bible saw Jesus and knew who he was and had a relationship with him, there was a difference. There needs to be a difference in our life, and there will be a difference 
when we read our Bible, when we study it, there's going to be a change in our life. There's no doubt that these disciples were in awe of Jesus, seeing him transfigured on that mountain. And they were in awe, and in typical fashion, it didn't take Peter very long to speak up. <laughs> Peter always was known for running his mouth, and he did once again. But unlike the typical Peter, unlike the usual Peter, he says something not so smart. He did his mouth, his lips move before his mind thinks. Actually, he said something pretty good. He said something, he said a good statement. His first statement, he said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Matthew chapter 17, verse 4. Master, it is good for us to be here. I wonder how many of, the, of, the, of us in this room have had an experience in our lives, some special, it could have been at a revival meeting, it could have been at a camp meeting when you're a teenager, but something spiritually special was happening in the midst. It doesn't necessarily happen every Sunday, but sometimes there's some Sundays or, or special meetings when you can just tell the Lord is at work. He's definitely in the room. He's working on a bunch of different people's hearts, and sometimes they have testimonials afterwards, and this person gets right with that person, and this person confesses a sin that they've had for years, and all of a sudden the Lord is moving, the Lord is working in their life. We take the time to appreciate it when those things happen. Many times those things just come by, we let it flow through. The message comes on Sunday, the Lord's speaking to us, we make a decision, and on Monday morning, you forget what the decision even was. It passes by, it goes by with no thinking about what really happened, if there really was a change. Many times this happens at camps. Camps, we take teenagers to camp, we're going up in a couple weeks. I'm sure many of them will make some great decisions, some good decisions. But to be honest with you, many of them, a week or two after camp, they'll probably forget what those decisions are, and they'll just go on, live their life like they did before. When something like that happens, write it down or, or, or make some result. Think about what exactly had just happened and do something with it. Don't just let those moments pass by without any thought of what actually happened. One of God's greatest sorrows is when we, as Christians, take him for granted. Sadly, many of us take Jesus Christ for granted. Being in this church service here tonight, many of us take it for granted. When there's people around the world, millions of people, they don't even have the Bible written in their language. There's many of people around this world that could be even meeting here tonight that are meeting and fear, what if a, a cop comes in? What if the government comes in and shuts us down and all that's happening around the world and many of us are just taking it for granted? Things happen, messages happen, great things happen amongst our midst and then we let it flow by and pass through. There's some examples in the Bible multiple times where God schools the priests for not giving God the honor that he is due. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. I said we're going to have a lot of verses here tonight. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. It says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant for his master. 
but then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name? And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. If ye offer the blind for sacrifices, is it not evil? And if, uh, if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your names. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut, your, shut thy doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the first fruits, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye say also, Behold, what a weariness it is. What a weariness it is to serve the Lord. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick, Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great God, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. See, they're offering sacrifices that weren't honoring, that weren't pleasing to the Lord, the Israelites were. And God says, you know what, I'll... Bring this to the Gentiles. They're going to offer the sacrifices that I, I expect that I should have as the Lord, as God. And he said, you know, I'm going to go to the Gentiles because you're not going to offer those sacrifices. They took Jesus for granted. They thought he was all his and that's who they were and they didn't accept. They didn't give him the honor and the respect and the reverence that was due him. How about us? Do we not take some time to honor and respect and revere God and what he has done in our life? Just a couple weeks ago, yeah, it was probably about last week, actually. Obviously, it's the rainy season. rains all the time in the afternoon. I was heading home from work, and as I was heading home from work, there's a light up there that uh, turned, I don't know, turned red or whatever or something. I think, actually think it was green. I think some person stopped at the green light or something crazy. And so all of a sudden, I see in front of me, this guy was stopped. And all of a sudden, people were swerving in and out of the way to get out of this guy's way. And all of a sudden, I just barely was able to barely sneak by this guy. Thankfully, there's nobody next to me or else I would have totally gotten into a wreck. It was raining. It was only because of the Lord that I saw it and I was able to swerve by and to get by that. And all the way on the rest of the way home, Lord, thank you so much for that protection. 
Oh, thank you so much for giving the reaction time. Thank you that there was nobody next to me. I took the time to thank the Lord for what he did. I didn't just let it pass by me and say, well, yeah, whatever. I mean, I was, man, I'm just really quick reaction time, man. I'm like, I'm great. I'm awesome. It was all, no, I didn't say that. Man, Lord, thank you so much for having me see that person in front of me. Thank you so much that nobody is next to me. There's so much that went into that. Lord, just thank you. Don't let those moments pass you up. Don't let a moment pass up that you can praise the Lord for who he is and what he has done. Don't let those pass you up. Thank the Lord every day for what he is doing in your life. So Peter said a good thing at first. Master, it is good for us to be here. Thank you so much for being in our presence. Thank you so much for showing us uh, who you are. But in typical fashion, sooner or later, you know what, Peter's going to say something that's not very smart. And that's what he did next. He said something pretty smart at the very beginning. Master, it's good for us to be here. But then he said something pretty dumb. He said something pretty dumb. The second thing that he said after he said, Master, it is good for us to be here. After he said that, um, he goes on and he says, okay, well, we need to build an altar. We need to build an altar unto the Lord. And then he continues on. He says, we need to build an altar for Elias and we need to build an altar for Moses. Peter, what are, you, what are you talking about? Why are you building an altar for Moses? Why are you building an altar for Elias? They, they're not on the same playing field as Jesus. Why would you be building an altar for them? But many times we do the same exact thing in our lives. You see, Moses and Elias and Abraham was another one that was greatly revered by the, by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the religious people of those days. They were many times looked at as God. They would see those men pretty much as God, which wasn't right which wasn't a good thing to do because Jesus is so much greater, so much better, so much more than those men. Yes, they did some great things. Yes, the Lord used them mightily, but build an altar for them. They're nothing. They're nothing compared to Jesus Christ, and he was right there. Don't build an altar for these other men. Build an altar to Jesus Christ. Christianity nowadays is about going down that path, sadly. See, many of us, many churches, they have churches. It's more of a social gathering. It's more of a, a get-together. They have family nights. They do this, that, and the other. They look how they can help out the community, which is all great things. Don't get me wrong, but where's the church? Where, where's Jesus Where's Jesus in all this? There's so many people nowadays, if you look on social media and stuff, they got all these pastors and stuff, millions of followers, and they're following, many times, many of them are following a man. They're following a human. They're not following God. They're following this man. And sadly, many times, some things come out about these men, about these pastors and preachers. Uh, They ran off with another woman. Uh, They took some money from the church. They went and they... They do all these wicked and awful things, and yet all these people are following this man. What happened to God? What happened to following God? What happened to following his word? Many people 
replace their relationship with Jesus Christ with just a religion. I'm going to clock in. I'm going to go to church on Sunday because that's what a good Christian should do. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in my place and do my thing because that's the right thing to do. Which, yes, it is, but yet on Monday, there's no relationship with Jesus. Tuesday, no relationship with Jesus. Wednesday night, middle of the week, let's get back to Jesus. Let's come back to Jesus. Let's worship him. And yet there's no relationship. When they were building an altar, when he wanted to build an altar for Moses, for Elijah, they were doing more so a religious ritual rather than following Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, too many people are following people and not following God. Finally, after that, God made a proclamation to these men. God told these men a very important thing. He told them, this is my son, follow him, take heed to him, listen to what he has to say. See, a key doctrine in Christianity is that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're three men in one. And so when God was telling, listen to my son, just as if that is me, because in essence, that is him. Jesus is God. John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my father are one. And this is really what the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and Many of the Jews refused to believe that Jesus Christ and God was one. John chapter 10, verse 31 through 33. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those things do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, Makest thyself God. They refuse to acknowledge Jesus as God. When multiple times in the Bible, Jesus says, He is God. God says that Jesus is my Son, and me, my Father, are one. God tells His disciples, Listen to my Son. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus, it was God said, and a voice out from the clouds or out, out audibly, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. On multiple other occasions, God would say, this is my beloved son, hear him. That's what we have to do. We have to hear Jesus' voice. Don't hear the voice of a human. Uh, don't hear the voice of a man. And many times that's what people are doing nowadays. Many preachers sadly are, speaking uh, self-help talks. And it's almost a tragedy nowadays when people are, are yes, and yes, you should, um, like time management. Yes, you should manage your time. And the better you manage your time, the more time you can have with your relationship with Jesus Christ. They have all these self-help talks of, of how to have a better family, how to do all these things. But yet, many times they forget God and they figure, okay, how can you better yourself? And Jesus Christ is almost out of the equation. And sometimes I get sucked up into it as well. What, what, what can I do? How can this message be better? What can I put in here that's going to uh, be interesting? What kind of story can I put in here? How, what kind of joke can I be in here? And I try to put all this together, and then sometimes I catch myself, wait, 
I should probably pray about this first. <laughs> it's just being honest with you. Sometimes it happens to me. I get all my jokes. I get all my stories. I get all those things together. And then where's the God in it? Where's that factor of Jesus Christ in it? And many times that's what churches are doing nowadays. They're pumping all those things into you, how to be a better person, how to do this, how to do that, how to do this. Without Jesus, Jesus needs to be the number one. And all those men, Elias, Moses, were good people, but it doesn't matter if they don't have Jesus. Jesus needs to be first and foremost. And God says to listen to his son. And that's the first step of living a victorious Christian life is to listen and to, to get in the word of God and to read it. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 through 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Peter, James, and John, they were able to walk with Jesus. They were able to hear his words. They were able to sit under his teachings. And what a great opportunity that was. But the, we have God's word. It might not be the same way that Jesus talked to those men. He's not here physically in this seat right here. He's not there, but his word is here. And that's how he's going to speak to us is through his word. And the Bible says that's actually better. It's weird, but the Bible says that this is better. This is what Jesus Christ, blessed are they that don't see and hear and don't have me here, but still Believe, that's what the Bible says. We have God's word, but what's important is we have to obviously heed to that word. It doesn't do any good that we have the Bible. It doesn't do any good that we read the Bible. What it has to do if we read the Bible and apply it to our lives. I can know all the Bible in the world. I can say all the Bible verses in the world, but what does that matter? There's many people out there, atheists. There's some atheists out there that are geniuses. They know the Bible front, left, right, up, down. They know it way better than many Christians do, but yet they don't take it. They don't apply it to their life. They don't live by the teachings that's found in his word. And it's sad, but they don't. But many times Christians are ignorant. They don't, they don't take the Bible. They don't read the Bible, and they don't apply it and, and take heed and, and apply it to their lives. It's been said that if we were to look in the mirror the first thing in the morning, and if we liked what we saw, the world economy would soon collapse. And the reason why is because all the cosmetic industries would go under. <laughs> if we looked at a mirror and we liked what we saw, the world economy would collapse because the cosmetic industry would go under. I thought, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, I wonder how much cosmetic industry actually really makes. I mean, I know makeup's expensive because I have a sister. Not, not, <laughs> I got a sister. I know makeup is expensive. And so I was like, you know, I, I had to look at this. How much do cosmetic industry, how much does it really actually make? So I looked it up. Prepare to be amazed. Prepare to be blown away. 
According to a recent report from the Allied Market Research, the global cosmetic industries generated $380.2 billion in 2019 and is expected to reach $463.5 billion by 2027. Blows me away. That is a massive industry. And you know why? That's in order because we have mirrors. Because people look in a mirror, they don't like what they see, and they want to change what they saw in the mirror. And that's what happens to us when we look at God's word. It's like a mirror in our life. It reflects who we are. We should see ourselves who we are in God's word. And we should want to change it. We shouldn't want to say the same. We should want to change what we see. But you see, many people look at others. They look at a preacher and say, well, you know, this preacher went off and did that. I would never do that. Or they look at their peers and they're looking at a, a tainted mirror that can hardly be seen through. There's, it's foggy, it's all messed up. And you look at that and you say, well, I'm pretty good compared to that person. They look at the mirror of other people. They look at the mirror of other men and they think they're perfect. They think that they're good. But that's why we need to look at the mirror of God's words. The perfect word of God is clear. It'll show us our flaws. It'll show us who we are. Quit comparing ourselves amongst other people and compare ourselves to God's word. Look in the mirror of his word, and do something about it. Don't just stay the same. If you got a pimple on your face, pop it. <laughs> don't keep it there. Don't let it, don't let it grow. Don't let it get all nasty. No, don't do that. Do something about it. That's what we need to do in our lives when we see God's word, when we read his word, when we know that we should change. Do something about it. Heed it. Don't just keep it the same. Look, see how you can change and change it. Don't look at others. Look at God's word. Look at his word. What a powerful story this Mount of Transfiguration was. The representative of those men that were there. And it really helps us to understand that we need to not only hear from God, but obey his word. Don't look at men. Don't build an altar uh, to men, like Peter wanted to do to Moses and Elias. No, Jesus is so much greater. Don't just have a religion. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at his word. Don't look at others. Don't see how others are living their lives. Look at God. Look at his word. Read his word. Study it. Heed it. And change. Change yourself according to his word. Have a proper reverence for Jesus Christ. Not man, but the man called Jesus. Let's pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947-1285. Thank you and God bless.